asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. Today we're talking loud budgeting, rampant financial infidelity, and bad bank behavior. Buddy, this is our Friday flight, and we're going to discuss the most important personal finance stories that we came across this week. Yeah. And uh, I want to kick things off. Were you going to say something? Well, no, I was, was going to say, say... I saw the breath, and you're getting ready. <laughs> One of the headlines we're going to talk about is bad bank behavior. Let's talk about bad map behavior uh, first. Bad map behavior, please. I, I started to share this with you, then we said, no, we need to talk about this on the <laughs> podcast. We have discussed Robinhood in the past, and in particular how they're trying to incentivize new customers to switch on over because with some of the different bonuses that they're paying out. Specifically, they're offering a 1% match on any amount that you transfer over from a brokerage account. And I'm doing it. I'm actually... I, Making I, the plunge. I took the bait and... You were at Fidelity. Uh, Vanguard. Vanguard, okay. Vanguard, yeah. Had, so you took Vanguard, turned it into Robinhood, turned but you're Van- still invested in the same funds. It's the exact same funds. And I think that for me, there was almost like this emotional hang up of like, well, obviously we've sort of bad mouthed uh, Robinhood in the past and how they, they kind of incentivize trading that we wouldn't necessarily encourage. But if you have the ability just to not do that, and I've seen that, like, that's not something I'm at all tempted with. I see this as essentially free money. Like, Mm -hmm. there is a bonus here, and I will say that there are some, there's some fine print. And so you have to keep your money. So the money that you transfer over, it's got to sit there. Two years? For two years. Okay. And if you... You don't uh, get the bonus until then. Or they pull it back. They pull it back. So you immediately get the bonus. And and here's the good news. Let's say you transfer over $50,000 dollars get yourself a 500 dollars bonus sweet and let's say though next year sometime you're like oh actually i want to use 25 grand towards a new car or something like that 
So in effect, you've only left $25,000. Well, they're going to take back $250. Okay. So it doesn't mean that like if you were to break the terms, you lose the entire thing. You only forfeit a small amount of it. Okay. But, um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. It's almost like an experiment. Maybe this is a, a frugal or cheap. We'll see if this ends up coming to bite me in the butt. Well, when you when you uh, transfer $10 million, that's a hundred grand, dude. So I mean, we're talking about big money. Exactly. No, exactly. Incorrect. Is what we're saying. <laughs> like the other part of it too, though, I was thinking through, I'm like, what is it that folks often complain about? And they're like, well, there's no customer service. And in my, that was one of the reasons I was not doing it. Those kind of playing through my mind. And I thought, have I ever called in to Vanguard or ever had any issue? And I mean, the there fact is some complaints about Vanguard's customer service too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so in effect, I'm like, well, no. And so if that's something that's keeping me from doing it, and granted, it's not like Robinhood is some butthead coin ETF exchange or, or something, <laughs> something like that. Like this is a SIPIC insured company just like Vanguard is. And so I realized for me it was more of an emotional roadblock as opposed to being like, okay, no. What do the numbers say? What, what is required? What hoops do I have to jump through? So I don't know. Just wanted to share that. Okay. It's not necessarily going to be for everybody I know, but I uh, just wanted to put that out there. And yeah, if they do run off with all my money, we'll talk about it then as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that that's, I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah. And I'm not really worried about you trading either. So, hey, take the free money, move over to Robinhood. When there's an incentive, again, like humans, incentives move the needle for us one yeah. way or the other. And when someone's saying, hey, no, we'll pay you money to move your money over and there's no additional fees or any of that stuff, you got to pay attention, like you said, to the, the red tape or whatever. The time but, frame. Yeah, mm-hmm. the time frame. But other than that, it's free money. And yep. and uh, yeah, so... And it's especially attractive too because um, VU, which is the Vanguard's S&P 500 ETF, those are ETFs that you can also trade and buy and mm-hmm. invest in over on Robinhood's platform with as no well. additional cost. Like honestly, if I was with Fidelity, I think I, I may have thought twice about it because I'm like, oh, well, dang, I'm gonna have to like sell because they the don't securities. have FC rocks, yeah. Uh, and so then there's some capital gains you have to deal with. But because in particular for Vanguard users out there, for them, I think this it could be worth considering. And the reason, okay, so the other reason I bring it up is because the uh, the one percent brokerage bonus that they're paying out it's only good until the end of this month oh yeah so yeah. you only have until next wednesday january 31st so you hear this, to pull it off yeah if you hear this and you're like okay free money i want to do what matt's doing check it out it. i'm saying put um but it's i don't even have any sort of like moral qualms i guess uh simplicity is yeah. what i like and having my stuff in in like one or two places matters to me yeah that All makes right. sense while we're talking about investing Matt let's move on to the Friday flight let's talk about investing let's let's kick off this episode talking about all-time highs uh, the stock market at all-time highs um, you're well, feeling richer than ever aren't you everyone is <laughs> <laughs> everyone who invests in the market is feeling richer than ever and that's because I mean it took a couple of years for us to get there but man that uh, round trip is pretty normal in stock market terms something we're going to experience likely every five or six years a a 20 percent downturn and then a uh comeback to all-time highs again and a few things that we wanted to note on this this happened by the way friday right after we released our friday flight but then we've been hitting multiple multiple all-time highs since then you know what else has coincided with these all-time highs is i saw uh was it earlier this week that they released the consumer sentiment the consumer and how that's also gone up and oftentimes they tie it to inflation but I wonder how much of it is also tied to individuals' retirement accounts yeah. and knowing that their net worth is either increasing or decreasing. It goes back to something we 
talked about recently, the wealth effect. <laughs> and yep. The bigger the numbers on the page, when you log in to look, you're like, oh, okay. All big, right. Big spender now. Things let's, are let's, good. Let's get out there and buy stuff I wouldn't normally be able to afford. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So, don't do that, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but we used to talk about this. Like, if, if 20% downturns are tough for you to handle emotionally, you're probably invested too aggressively. That's one thing I think we can learn from kind of this round trip back to all-time sure. highs. If that had you freaking out, we, we just said, this is a normal thing. You should expect, essentially, uh, routes of the stock market to occur every five or six years, sometimes more common. We, we had two bear markets, essentially, uh, in the past three or four years. And so much of how you should be invested should be reflected in how emotional you get about uh, what's going on? What current what current market conditions are doing? That's right. Also, Matt, I think something else we can we can learn from this trek back to all time highs is to not bet against the American economy. It's resilient as all get out, man. Heck like yeah. it was resilient resilient through COVID, resilient through all of these like prognostications of a recession. Could we? enter into a recession this year? Sure, of course we could. Um, but businesses continue to innovate. Yep. They, they continue to create more value for shareholders. And so I think the the thing to take away from this too is to be a shareholder, <laughs> to invest regularly. <laughs> yeah. And for most folks, that means with every paycheck or monthly via an ACH or something like that into your IRA. And it's fun to see the market bounce back. But the most important thing is to keep investing when things are going good, when they're going tough. And what that makes me think of too is automation. That's right? right. The more you can kind of set it and forget it, do the thing you're supposed to do without having to actually remember to do it. To actively the make the decisions be. of, oh, wait a minute, is our country in the crapper? Yeah. Should I be investing with, or maybe I should be looking internationally? Or wait, there's an election this year. Should that impact how I invest? <sighs> yeah. Short answer is no. <laughs> These are things that we want you, like this should not go into how it is that you think about your investments. Yeah. Uh, and actually the Financial Times, they actually just reported this week that passive investing has actually surpassed active investing for the first time. Uh, there's more money now in passive mutual funds and ETFs than there are in actively managed ones. And this is, of course, something that we love seeing, and in large part because actively managed funds come with significantly higher fees. And the truth is, man, the results often aren't uh, superior, or yeah. if they are, it's only for a short period of time. I think the last latest data I saw was that of uh, actively managed funds, only like 50% of them outperformed their passive counterparts, passive index counterparts. And that was only for the first year. Yeah, after Beyond that. Beyond <laughs> that, it, it drops precipitously. Yeah. Uh, and try, try doing it for five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the numbers don't look nearly as good. Uh, it makes me think about Kathy Wood's ARK ETF, which got so much press. There you go. And it you know, rose to in crazy heights and then it plummeted. Uh, but it's doing well again. You, because you get lucky text, every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> but doing, can, you know, doing well now because tech stocks are crushing. Yeah, but, but can you maintain that? Uh, so uh, another reason the, for this passive surge is because evidently advisors, they're also steering their clients in the direction of passively managed funds. Uh, and I'll, I'll say, there's even a bit of good news here if you're attracted to actively managed funds, even though we wouldn't recommend it. But expenses on those actively managed funds have actually come down on average uh, as well, as the different fund fees have dropped across the board. But bottom line, if you want more of your money working for you, passive index funds are the way to go. And by the way, we actually just published a new post just singing the praises of passively managed index funds yeah. up on the website that we'll make sure to link to in our show notes. Yeah, and talk about those expense ratios. It seems small, 0.05 versus 0.5. But What's the big difference? Just a single zero? It turns out there's a <laughs> lot of money that, that should be working for you that's not working for you when you act opt for those more expensive, actively managed funds. All right, man, let's talk about income and happiness and how correlated they might be. 
I think anybody listening would say, more pay? Bring it on. Sounds nice. I'm not going to like refuse. Like, hey, Joel, one-to-one correlation, buddy. Like, right. <laughs> and I get it. Like, um, I, too, would not turn down a pay raise. But um, I, I think it's important to mention that a pay raise, while it's nice, it's not going to make you as happy as you think. And we, we talk a fair amount about increasing your take on pay. Mm-hmm. The more you bring in, the more quickly you'll be able to make progress on your financial goals. But there was a recent Wall Street Journal article, Matt, that highlighted the reality that the positive feelings we derive from a pay raise are often short-lived. We get that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and we're like, woohoo! And then quickly, um, it the, the feeling wears off. Mm-hmm. Getting that pay bump, though, I will say from from like forty thousand to seventy thousand bucks has a has a more dramatic impact. But if you go from like two hundred thousand bucks in pay to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, while it's an overall bigger increase in the overall amount of dollars, it's not going to have nearly the same sustained impact. And I think that makes sense because yeah. those dollars are basically a necessity on the lower end of the income spectrum. But it's more like gravy on top for those high income earners. But I guess it's true. Um, again, fighting for that raise is great, but banking on it, per- putting a perpetual smile on your face, eh, not. Yeah, dude, I think what this points to is that the hedonic treadmill is real. As we continue to move the goalposts in our life as to what it is that we think is going to make us happy, we just have to perpetually stay in motion in order to maintain that. Well, and we've it makes sense because the other things we've talked about in the past that have to do with that is like something like lottery winners. And yes, their happiness increases in a big way right when they win the lottery but you talk to them nine months down the road and they're kind of back to those baseline levels of happiness it's the new normal yeah Yeah. exactly there's sort of like this standard there's a floor that we always revert to Uh, but this what we're getting at here though is that we shouldn't avoid getting promoted and getting pay bumps because they're not going to lead to ultimate happiness we're not going to tell our our employer no thank you Uh, (laughs) the math still works out in our favor, especially if a big chunk of the increase in pay there is going to go towards pushing you further further along towards financial independence or financial freedom. Uh, And there is an interesting quote in that piece from someone who experienced a raise and who seemed to be noticing more long-lived joy. And I love this. He said, there's a weird rush in making money and not spending it. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of truth here. Was is he my brother separated at birth? I think what he's realizing is sort of the dorky rush of being a financially responsible adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> where, where instead of just blowing the money in the here and now on frivolous things, we're we're socking it away, man. And, yeah, and other people interviewed in that in, in that same article were like, I got the raise. And I the first thing I did was book a trip to Europe. And they were like, the trip was fun, but I think that's part of the letdown. Exactly. And I, th- I think what it speaks to, though, is someone who's thinking long term. And man, the ability to sock this money away for your future so that at some point you can then enjoy it. It's like a form of, tr- of, of time travel. I think it was Mr. Money Mustache back in the day that wrote about this and how he said that the money you invest now are like these little sweet little presents. They're like these little packages that you send through time to yourself in the future. And so do you want to give yourself these sweet little treats? to enjoy in the future or do you want them to be like flaming bags of poop (laughs) that you're then going to have to deal with because that's not something that you paid attention to in the present yeah i know what it is that i want to be receiving off in my future at least and i i know when when i was first starting off in my career matt making very little in fact first first job was making less than 30k full-time and then after that i went to a part-time job making an hourly rage because i worked in radio and that doesn't pay very well and and i just kept thinking like oh man when i get a raise once i get to this certain level of income my life's going to be golden and it's not that those raises weren't impactful in allowing me to to save and invest and to even consume some more of those dollars that i was making but 
the pay raises, I can tell you from personal experience, did not result in the happiness levels that I thought they would. Mm-hmm. That make oh, 70,000 bucks. If I get to that threshold, that's going to be the game changer. And it never was in the way that I thought it was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that lifestyle create. That's what we're talking about here. It impacts our ability to save. Yes, that's true. But it's using higher levels of pay to fuel more consumption. It's that that often doesn't have the impact that we think it will. It's sort of like being famous. Like folks think that, oh, it's that's it's, it's another one of those... What do you call them in the deserts? A, a, a mirage, yeah. uh, where yeah. you see it off in the distance, and you're like, "Oh, that's the source of There's my the oasis." <laughs> yes, uh, but in reality, it's it's all fleeting, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why uh, what a lot of famous people say. Well, how about you, like if you want to be rich and famous, we'll try being rich first because I don't know the fame fame part takes a toll on you too. Uh, and if you're gonna be rich. Maybe don't spend it all either because <laughs> that won't lead to greater levels of happiness. That's right. Uh, okay, let's talk about careers for a second, Matt. We've talked about a, a couple of new to us terms. We've talked about career cushioning uh, recently on the show. Well, there's another one, I think. Uh, cash stuffing. That was another Cash stuffing, yeah. There's another one I found worth mentioning in an article this week. It's called New Collar Workers. And it's got a nice ring to it. It does. I'm like, okay, cool. What are these things? I, I prefer no collar. Um, I'm, a, I'm a new collar worker. <laughs> just wear a t-shirt. Uh, but okay, new collar workers are apparently kind of sandwiched in between blue collar and white collar workers. The crux of new collar is basically needing specialized education, but not needing a college degree. And so a lot of the, the jobs uh, where new collar folks are wanted are the fields of engineering, tech, and software. And these jobs pay pretty well, but all while allowing you to avoid accumulating a massive pile of student loan debt. Mm. And of course, you know, as the cost of four-year degrees continues to rise and more employers are willing to accept other certifications and forms of education, that provides a nice lane for a whole lot of folks to get paid more without the downside of crushing debt. And so this is just something to think about. Instead of like, I think, Matt, the patented way people think is, oh, I've got to go back to school and get my MBA. That's what's going to allow me to make the step up in my career and increase my income. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it's a much, much cheaper way to move forward. And it doesn't involve years and years of schooling and loads and loads of debt. That's right. Okay. So on another newfangled term here, let's talk about loud budgeting. Uh, this is something Can you yell actually it, that we're, I was going to, let's think about saying it like really quietly. <laughs> we're going to talk about loud budgeting. Uh, We are all about this, man. And what it is, essentially, it's making your money goals more visible to your friends and family. And the reason we love this is because so many folks just avoid talking about money. They don't share their goals. They don't share their progress, how they're doing at work. They're not honest about why it is that they're reducing their spending. Like, for instance, if they're just really getting after their debt. But I think opening some lines of communication where you're getting loud about the path that you're taking is a good way to make money less taboo. And it catalyzes money conversations in general. Has a That's a big reason why we even started the show, because it was something that you and I enjoyed. These conversations, I mean, that literally... We just the, called it loud podcasting. <laughs> we just called it getting beers. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, that's, that's kind of how the show started, because we were having these conversations ourselves. But then we thought, oh, let's maybe record these in a more formal setting. Yeah. Boom. Include tens of thousands of other besties. Uh, equals a podcast. But granted, this is loud budgeting, so this is, of course, a TikTok trend. And <laughs> I say that because not to encourage you to create some new account. Like, you don't have to go out there and post on social media to take advantage of this. But just do make it a goal to maybe be a little less tight-lipped about your finances. You don't have to, like, share 
exact your exact amount of debt that you have or, or how much you're able to invest over the past three years while yeah. you're able to crush it because you're a white collar worker and you're able to remote work from home and, and you job hopped and so in fact you doubled your income since 2020 yeah you don't necessarily have to go that far you don't have to be 100 percent transparent <laughs> with every single yeah. dollar you're doing everything with but you you know why not speak up a little more about what your goals are what you're aiming for it's huge and why you're making certain decisions um i think that's just like good communication skills too, Matt. Uh, sometimes like we, we just say no to an opportunity or a, a hang with somebody because we're like, oh, it's going to cost us money. Instead of suggesting something else, um, and I think you be, being willing to broach the money topic is actually a good thing. And I think a lot of people would love to talk about money. Oh, yeah. They're just too fearful to actually bring it up. And if you're the one who initiates the conversation, some of your friends are going to be like, oh, hey, thank you. Like, uh, yeah, let's talk about this thing because it's something I haven't been able to talk about with any, anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. You can be the spark, right? I don't know. Like in your in your friend group, and pretty soon you're all on fire. You get it? Fire, I, financial yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got more to get to during our Friday flight. We're going to talk about student loans and even luxury brands. We'll get to all of that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. 
Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, we're back. The Friday flight continues. Matt, let's get to the ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from the New York Post, and the title was Hermes. That's how you pronounce it, right? Hermes? Oh, come on. Hermes. Hermes. <laughs> Blast it. This is, tells you... It's not, it's not. I thought you were going to say Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been worse. You didn't do that. That would have been worse. Hermes blasted for a $125 envelope. And Matt, we don't... As they should be. Yeah, I mean, you and I, we don't typically bash specific spending choices. We try to guide people in the right direction yeah. without, like, obliterating um, the things that they care about. If you really want a new car, like, we're not going to talk smack, just pay cash for it, please. If you want a Stanley Cup, that's another thing. I saw some somebody stole like hundreds of Stanley Cups and got arrested for it. Got arrested. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was a, a an Onion article because the picture with like twenty, the, thirty <laughs> on the front of the police cruiser. The, yeah, that yeah. was so stupid. That was funny. But if you really want a Stanley Cup, get one. Just make sure you're doing it not for your own reasons, not because of the consumerism craze currently surrounding them. Which I would say that is would be hard to justify considering it's become the new hot thing. Yeah, and it's not like you've always had this deep seated passion for Stanley Cups, right? right? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Cup only came out in 2017. Be honest with yourself. Right. And same thing is true with this Hermes envelope. Uh, Was that good? Good pronunciation? That's pretty good. Okay. So it costs like 150 times what a normal envelope costs. And what's so special about it? Well, apparently it's wrapped in silk, it's reusable, and it's made in France, which sounds ridiculous to me. And so, Matt, this kind of got me thinking, what else does Hermes sell that's just (laughs) ridiculously overpriced? And I went on their website to look. 175 bucks for a couple of decks of playing cards. Nice. You can get a beanie for 420 bucks. And that sounds intentional. Yeah. <laughs> just makes me think. That's I, so stupid. And then obviously you go beyond that into any sort of real clothing item and the price rises astronomically. I guess I'm just not cut out to live that luxury lifestyle. Luxury brand lifestyle. So, you know what this reminds me of? You remember the frugal or cheap story I shared? This is years ago about the Hermes scarf that Kate got. Oh, yeah, was That was an Hermes scarf. So, here's a quick recap. My mom received an Hermes scarf. And these things evidently cost like up to thousands of dollars. Well, I believe it. Brand new. I believe it. She was gifted that by like a rich friend. (laughs) She didn't like it. Turn around, gifted it to Kate for Christmas. Kate didn't like it, but also realized this is an expensive scarf. I know, yeah. and so we ended up selling it on eBay for like seven hundred dollars because somebody really wanted it. So frugal or cheap, Joel? Uh, I think it's frugal. It's frugal yeah. because man, that seven hundred bucks was much better spent than it sitting in the form of a scarf in, our, in her closet. Just think about all that she was able to do with that. It was That's already, a much better gift. It was already a re-gift from your mom. So your mom understood. Like, exactly. She didn't go out and spend the seventeen hundred bucks expecting Kate to wear it. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I don't want this thing. Exactly. Exactly. As long as her friend doesn't right. <laughs> doesn't hear about the story. Okay. So also ludicrous. Evidently, nearly two in five Americans admit to having committed financial infidelity. This is according to Bankrate. 42% of adults surveyed have kept a financial secret from their partner, and that's certainly not a good thing. We're not going to approve of that. We don't recommend lying to your spouse, not even the, the little white lies. But it's also important to mention that not all financial infidelity is equal. I think a lot of the potential guilt might stem from the fact that maybe there haven't been clear lines of communication regarding what it is that we're going to be spending this month or what we're trying to achieve this year. There's a lot of gray area involved, I think, a lot of times with couples and spending. And there's a lot of feelings of like, well... 
I don't think I should be spending on that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I feel kind of guilty. I think uh, there's a lack of communication that could lead to couples feeling a whole lot better about their money. Yeah. And I think the reason that the numbers are so high on this, something like 42%, you said, of people having admitting to basically committing financial infidelity is because the term is so loosely defined. And so financial infidelity could be Oh man, I opened up, I downloaded the sports gambling app on my phone, and it turns out I've been, I've lost thousands of dollars. I just haven't told my spouse about it. Or it could be opening up a credit card, spending lots of money that they don't know about, something like that. Those are really big things. I feel like both of those are pretty big ones. <laughs> really big breaches of trust. But I think it could also, someone might say, yes, I've done this too, because I went to the grocery store and I've got a craft beer budget and I'm supposed to put that on <laughs> my account, but I scanned it at the checkout counter and I just included it in groceries. It doesn't have to be a confession time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> those are the kind of things, right? Where like, I guess that would still fall under the realm of financial infidelity. It just depends what kind of moral, upstanding character right. fiber that you're made of. <laughs> I, I lack in some areas. I'll, say, I'll tell you that. But I, yeah, I think you're right, Matt. It's just crucial to keep the lines of communication open, to talk about your finances regularly, and to talk about those shared goals, because I think that is really where a lot of progress is made. Totally agree. And it kind of prevents you from wanting to go down that other rabbit hole of financial infidelity. And then also set up you know, a spending threshold where no discussion has to happen before oh, yeah. you each are allowed to spend the amount of money that you want to, right? On your own on your own wants and desires without having to check in. And like, let's say sports gambling is something you want to do and you want to commit 300 bucks a month to doing that. As long as your partner knows about it, it doesn't matter that you're losing 3,600 bucks a year as long as you can afford to and it's fun for you, I guess. Um, I hate it. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but I, maybe for some folks listening, that's their... Gosh, I guess that could be their craft beer equivalent for yeah. sure. And like they're really into sports and they, they like to be invested in that way. As long as quote, it's not unquote, something invested, you're doing really behind the back of the person you love. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. And that's what's so great about budgeting is because we're talking about dollar amounts and dollars are so easily definable. It's not it like it's so incredibly objective. There's no value or judgment call on the dollar amount once you arrive at that. Yeah. And, and like you said, then you don't have to continually have these conversations. I think it's a great way of kind of greasing the skids and just kind of lubricating the gears so that your your finances are working well with your partner. Uh, Joel, we mentioned the Roth 401k changes that actually have now gone into effect. This is thanks to the Secure 2.0 Act passed a couple years ago. Well, another element of that bill, it went live at the beginning of this year as well. And that is that your employer is now allowed to match your student loan payments with contributions to your workplace retirement accounts. Uh, so basically, if you're say, let's say your student loan payment, it's, it's so high, it's preventing you from investing. Well, your employer is allowed to sock money into your 401k for you, even if you aren't doing that. Uh, so for instance, you could like let's say 2% of your pay is going towards your student loans, your company could have a policy where they're sticking 5% of your pay into your work-sponsored 401k account. The amounts vary depending on whatever it is that your company may or may not uh, have implemented. Yeah. yeah, everybody's got like a different policy. And actually, yeah. a lot of companies have no policy on this yet because this is so brand new. Yeah, it's it's available to be offered, but it doesn't mean it's a requirement. So that's something that, if this sounds interesting to you, uh, bark up that HR tree and For see real. if that's something that you could uh, start having implemented at your place of employment. Send an email, go knock on the door and have a quick meeting. Say, hey, I know this is like uh, available now. Is this something we do? I will also say this, though, Matt, it, it, just because this is now a reality and that some people are going to, at some places of employment, get a match to their 401k for paying on their student loans, 
Well, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't stick money in your 401k if you can, right? Like, uh, don't forego contributing to your 401k if you have the ability to both uh, contribute to that and pay off your student loans. Something else, by the way, that's worth mentioning on the student loan front is that if you've been paying on your loans for more than a decade and your original loan amount was less than $12,000, your debt is eligible to be erased next month. Um, And so this is only for federal borrowers who are enrolled in uh, the new save plan that we've talked about many times uh, now on the show. And it's not applicable to a massive chunk of folks, Matt. I don't think there's, I think there's probably hundreds of thousands instead of like millions or tens of millions or anything like that who fall into this category. Unfortunately, because their balances, their initial balances yeah. were way too high. Not many people yeah. graduate with like $8,000 in student loans. Yeah. Most people graduate with a lot more than that. Yeah, 40000 right. in student loans. But, but if you're one of those folks who meets those guidelines, you might be able to say sayonara to those uh, loans real soon. Look into it. Make sure you're signed up for the save plan. And hopefully your smallish balance goes away completely. That's right, man. Okay, time now for our last story. This is the bad banks behavior. Bad, what'd you say? Bad behavior bank? Bad bunny? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Number one streaming artist, evidently, uh, until Taylor Swift dethroned him. We were just talking about that before we started recording, how neither of us can name one song of his, and he's one of the most popular musicians on the face of the earth. Evidently. Uh, We live behind rocks. I thought he was like a producer, but evidently he's an actual actual artist, right? I think he's huge, yeah. Okay, bad bank behavior. Everyone... Joel has a bias. Oftentimes, I think they can be difficult for us to spot. It's just, it's kind of baked into just who we are and how it is that we believe. And we have a pretty strong bias towards our favorite online banks that we talk about regularly here on the show. But we also try to retain a willingness to call out bad behavior when we see it. And we feel compelled to mention something that Capital One has done that isn't necessarily in the best interest of their customers. And basically, here's here's what's going on. They have an account a savings account that pays a really competitive market interest rate, but they also have another savings account that pays a pittance. And which account you're in depends on your level of vigilance. Specifically, if you've been banking with Capital One for a while, you might not have noticed that their new savings account is paying something, I think it's, it's like four, close to 4.5%, but because you have not noticed, that probably also means that you didn't notice that you're only getting paid Uh, And that is a massive gap. It could mean missing out on hundreds of dollars or even thousands, depending on how much of a nest egg, how much of a of an emergency fund, how many months of living expenses you have socked away in there. That's yeah. a ton of money. And I think it's a it's kind of a crappy stunt to pull on, especially your loyal customers, because oftentimes those impacting those who had been with Capital One for a while and didn't see that they were now offering something that was a bit more attractive. Agreed. Yeah, it just uh, to have those two savings accounts and, and their names were kind of confusing too. One is the performance savings account. That's the higher interest rate one. And the other one is just plain old Capital One savings. It make it does make it seem like it was just something that was kind of done on the sly yeah. on the and DL. I'm glad that they offer, I mean, and again, we've talked about Capital One in great terms regularly because they do have, there's a lot of good things to be said about Capital One. But there, this is also something that really frustrates me, especially when loyal customers get kind of left in the lurch when a new account is launched. They should be notified. And honestly, they should probably be automatically moved into that account. Uh, and why is there a need for multiple multiple savings accounts that pay different rates when everything else about these accounts is essentially the same. I will say, not to like give a defense for Capital One, but one of their CEOs mentioned that a lot of times these multiple accounts, it's not as straightforward, I guess, as we wish it was, right? Which is that when a merger or an acquisition takes place, you've got customers from an old bank, and oftentimes that's actually when they're in that other account, because I guess it's just more complicated than we wish it to be. Similarly, CIT Bank, who we are huge fans of because they pay 
I mean, pretty much tops when it comes to savings account. Upper echelon, for sure. But I mean, we talked about this a long time ago, but when they merged with another bank, it meant that they had, a, I don't know if they have to maintain one of those other savings accounts, but they have a product where that's in like the 1% range as opposed to the one that we always talk about, which is the, fi- you know, the five one that's plus in the five. Percent. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so it's they're not alone in this. Other banks do similar tactics. And uh, I, I guess some the, the reason there was an article written about it is because customers were coming out and saying like, they were complaining to the CFPB and saying, yeah. why am I being left out of this higher savings account? Can I get the interest uh, restored to me retroactively? And Capital One says, no, we can't do that. And I understand that. But it's, it is really important for you to realize, okay, not just what bank am I with, but what bank account do I have with this bank? Yeah. And am I getting the top tier offering that they have? And again, specifically on Capital One, make sure it's the performance savings and not the regular savings account yes. that you're, that you're uh, opening. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially if you've been with them for a long time, like you and I, we've both been with them back when they were the ING Direct yeah. or electric orange account when you had to manually use your cursor to click the, <laughs> your, uh, your, uh, your pin That's code right. or whatever to, to log in. But to, yes. To prevent key loggers, I think, right? It's something like that. Yeah. And so if you think you've been in the clear because because you have been banking with somebody that we've talked about, yeah, log in, check the check the settings, make sure that you are getting getting that higher rate. Yeah, and if you're with Capital One and you've got the old school uh, account that doesn't pay as much, you actually have to go open new account, open performance savings, and then you can move that money over. And Matt, it, the stakes have never been higher because uh, <laughs> you actually get paid money on savings these days with uh, some of our favorite banks. So that's right, that's good news. But just make sure you're actually getting paid. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have links uh, to the articles that we mentioned up in the show notes on our website at howtomoney.com. You know it, buddy. So until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.